Welcome to the Abiding Word with Pastor Jim Swigert of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Pastor Jim is teaching through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now let's join Pastor Jim for today's Abiding Word. Morning once again. This morning we are going to be in Judges chapter 6. It's our, uh, you know, distinctive as Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship that we teach right through the book of the Bible expositionally, meaning we chapter by chapter, or excuse me, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Last week we finished the book of First Thessalonians. Next week, Lord willing, we'll be in Second Thessalonians, and I'm excited to see how the Lord will equip us and encourage us through, um, you know, Second Thessalonians looking to the future and the second coming of Jesus. But this morning, we are going to be in Judges chapter 6. In recent weeks, we have, on Wednesday nights, we've been looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And um, it's, it's been good. And really looking specifically the last couple of weeks on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. And so, uh, you know, sometimes when, I speak for myself, when I read in the scriptures of Moses or Joshua or David or Paul or Peter, it's like, you know, I know I'm not called to lead a nation. I know I'm not called to lead, lead 300 men into battle, you know, against extraordinary circumstances. But nevertheless, I want to be empowered by the Lord. And we're not called to be David, we're not called to be Gideon, we're not called to be Moses, we're called to be whom we are in Christ. Um, at the same time, you know, as we sing this morning, giving praise and glory to God and blessing Him, acknowledging that Jesus is the only way to God, the only right way to God. There's only one way to salvation, that is through the blessed name of Jesus, the person and work that He's provided for us at the cross. And so when I think of the life of a believer, what we're going to be looking at this morning, looking at Gideon and how God empowered him, the power that God gave to Gideon, as we'll see in the New Testament, is the same power that he gives to you and I. Certainly different ministries of the Holy Spirit within the Old Testament and New Testament, but nevertheless, God wants to empower us to fulfill his plan and purposes here on earth. In fact, Ephesians 3.20 and 21 says this, this is part of Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the blessed time to meet together as your church, Lord. We pray that our worship thus far has been a blessing to you, God, a sweet aroma to you, Lord, for you are worthy. And we pray now, Lord, that as you encourage us and you build us up in the faith and you point out the truth from your word and how you want to empower your church to accomplish your purposes, your will, 
according to your plan. We pray that you would speak to each one of us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's turn to Judges chapter 6, and I would be willing to say most of you remember uh, Gideon as this great man of God who God used to defeat and deliver his people against the Midianites. Remember, um, in the book of Judges, Israel had this continuous cycle that they would they would repent, they would follow God, uh, they would, you know, for many years, and then they would turn to their wicked ways, following pagan gods, and then God just turned them over, like he said he would. And they would be in need of a deliverer, and when it got so bad, they would cry out to the Lord, and the Lord would indeed send a deliverer. At this particular time, uh, Israel, uh, they were in bondage or being oppressed by the Midianites for seven years. And they come to this place where they've cried out to God and God's going to send them, or he did send uh, Gideon. And Gideon would indeed be the leader to lead the nation against the enemy to bring forth victory. Now, when you think of Gideon, you might think of some awesome battle-ready warrior filled with the Spirit of God so much that uh, it was just, let's just go and we'll take care of the Midianites. But it's interesting when we read the details from Judges chapter 6, wow, he looks a lot like me. He looks a lot like you. As human beings is my point. Not that you're bad or I'm bad. We all need Jesus. Um, but anyway, we see the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Jesus, came and spoke to Gideon. And look at... And we're going to go fast through these scriptures. So look at verse 12 of Gideon's chapter 6. Verse 12, and it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now that's, that's pretty awesome there. I highlighted that uh, scripture in my Bible, and it's like, that, I want to be a man of valor. I want to be used by the Lord. But what's interesting is prior to the angel of the Lord speaking to Gideon, Gideon was, you know, working and hiding from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord still shows up there. And we see then in verse 16, And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then it's amazing as we go on, if you go down to verse 22 then. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it is still in Ophrah of the Abbey's rites. Um, this is pretty exciting stuff here. The angel of the Lord shows up and talks and instructs Gideon that he was going to be the one, the deliverer for Israel. And at this point, I'm like, okay, just go do it. You have, you have the Lord's word. You have it all, Gideon. Just, just, you're ready to go into battle. 
Just follow the Spirit of God and it's going to be well. Just go. But the Lord shows us so much here on the person of Gideon. And I think it's interesting that, um, you know, again, we'll go back and you'll get more details with Gideon. You see more and more that uh, he was a man of fear. And it's interesting that the angel of the Lord told him, you know, uh, peace be with you. Peace be with you. I don't know about you, but living in these days that we're living in, as a church, we need God's peace. The world can't have God's peace. Do we understand that? Because peace comes from God, and only we have peace with God in order to have peace from God. And so non-believers can't really be at peace, but the exhortation for us is, as believers, we need the peace of God. Amen? Because we see the body of Christ a lot. We're not immune to anxiety. We're not immune to fear, uncertainty, all these things. And, you know, Satan wants to come and tell us what horrible Christians we are. Anybody else get that? You're such a loser, Jim. Don't raise your hand. You'll call yourself out. Don't do that. <laughs> but it's amazing how God deals with Gideon. He knows his feelings, his emotions, his personality. He understands that he's fearful. So the Lord is, you know, peace be with you. Do not fear. And that's one of, I've read somewhere, there's 365 times in the Bible that God tells, tells us in his word not to fear. I, I've never done the research to count them, but it, I do know there's 365 days in our calendar. So one for every day. Do not fear. Do not fear. Why does God tell us so often not to fear? Well, because he knows we fear. We're people. He says, you shall not die. And Gideon then, he, he builds an altar, uh, acknowledging he's, he's been in the presence of God, the angel of the Lord. And, and then let's look at verse 25. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal, that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Isn't this interesting? So after he has this encounter with the Lord, this circumstance comes up. And I find it interesting, and we can go many different ways, but why did God at this time have him want to take down the altar. Well, we know that this is his father's altar. His father, his family is worshiping or had been worshiping pagan gods. We have to definitely assume that Gideon was part of that as well. And it's interesting as he has an encounter with the Lord, it's the Lord saying, okay, this is first. You must take care of this. And how often in our life, in our lives, that when we encounter the presence of God and we receive the joy and the peace of God, we know we're in the presence of God, then it's like, okay, it's time to deal with something. It's time to deal with something in your heart. Maybe an idol, maybe something, whatever. The Lord wants to deal with things. But 
It's interesting because of God's grace that he meets with Gideon first, and then he tells him that he's going to be his man, and then he tells him to do this, what I call a circumstance in life as a believer, to deal with whatever is not of the Lord. And again, remember the oppression. You know, no, no matter how we slice it here, Gideon is God's man. He's going to use Gideon to remove his people from the oppression. There's a lot of oppression today. There is a lot of oppression. I'm not, I don't even want to focus on the world. What about in believers' life? Our life. Man, the enemy is coming against the body of Christ. Warfare is ratcheting up. The enemy wants our mind. He wants our hearts. He hates Jesus, and he hates you. He hates me. He hates us. And so he's working even more so today. Would you agree with that? He's working more so today because the enemy knows his time is short. Amen? It's soon and very soon. And so the enemy is ratcheting up, and there's so much oppression. We are certainly living in Romans chapter 1 time, right? Where everything's gone haywire. People are worshiping creation and not the creator. And there's so many believers who are depressed, living with this oppression. But God, I, I am convinced, God, this is, this is our greatest time as the body of Christ the church of Jesus Christ. This is, this is our hour. In the midst of Jesus coming soon for his church, this is our hour to demonstrate the love of Christ to a lost and dying world, to be light, to demonstrate love, and to have an answer for all the nonsense that's going on. Praise God, we have the answer. His name is Jesus, amen? God has called us to bear witness of Jesus. He's called us to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. And I praise God for what he's doing. You know, I'm convinced the Lord's put this message this morning on my heart and what we've been seeing the last several Wednesday nights and what we'll continue to do, looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is that it's not, hey, we got to do this, we got to do this. It's no, you're doing this in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your tribulations, in the midst of tough circumstances in your life, you are trusting in the Lord. And when we are brought through our trials to a place that we have to trust in the Lord, that's not a sign of weakness. See, we want to hold on to our own strength. Well, I can get through this. But listen, we have to trust the Lord. We have to trust in Him. We've got to walk with Him. But even more so, we have to see what's available to us in being empowered to fulfill God's calling in our lives. And as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, being born of the Spirit, you have a calling on your life. And together, we did get to come because we're called as one in the church. We have a calling for the church. And we're going to see that God empowers us to accomplish what he wants to to accomplish. Now what's interesting is, did you catch what Gideon did? God told him to do this. He went and got 10 men, but he did it at night. That's not condemning for that. He, it says um, he did it at night. So he did it. He went and he tore down those altars 
uh, to Baal. And the Lord told him, he did it. The word tells us he did it. He was obedient. He was obedient to the Lord. Now, let's go down to verse 34. And, you know, as Gideon did it, as you read in these prior verses, just because I'm strapped for time, we're not catching, but you are responsible to go back and read it, right? You will, right? You have to. It's an awesome story. So when he was obedient to the Lord, it ratchets up the enemy, and they want to come. They did come, and they, they want to kill him. Who did this? Well, it's Gideon. Well, we take, bring him out here. We want to kill him. So when we're obedient to the Lord, we can rest assured that we ratchet, the enemy's ratcheting, he's going to ratchet up against us. And I'm convinced that sometimes the believers don't take that next step of faith because they know that's coming. But when we trust in the Lord, he gives us the strength. And he's promised Gideon that he's going to strengthen him. But look what happens, even more so than those who are coming against him uh, for tearing down those altars. Let's keep in mind, God has given Gideon the calling and we'll see the empowerment to defeat the Midianites. So not only does he have these people coming wanting to kill him now, look at verse 34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon that he blew the trumpet, and the Abizrites gathered behind him, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. The enemy was stirred up. Again, when we are obedient to the Lord, the enemy gets stirred up. Now, let me ask you this. Who is our enemy? Satan, how do we know Satan's our enemy? Well, first of all, we know, we know, we know. But it's in the Word, right? What else is our enemy? Well, what about the world? The world in which we live in is not our friend. The world in which we live in is coming against us. It's against God. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. The, the world is not our friend. The world is our enemy. God loves the world and sent his son for the world. The enemy, the devil, is our enemy. But what about the flesh? Anybody deal with the flesh? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. <laughs> no, the flesh is it's, it's an enemy. In fact, let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're on the screen. Galatians 5, verses 17 and 18. For the flesh, that's the natural man. That's, that's us without God, right? The, the flesh, lust against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. So we have the Holy Spirit, and we have the flesh. 
And there, it's a constant battle. And what I have found out, whichever one you feed conquers, right? If I feed the flesh, if I feed my mind with things that are not of God, if I feed my heart of things that are not of God, the flesh is going to be greater than the spirit. But if I feed the spirit, how do we feed the spirit? Well, we feed the spirit by the word of God. We feed the spirit by fellowshipping. We feed the spirit by praying. We feed the spirit by truly following after the Lord. And when we feed the spirit, the amazing thing is the flesh dwindles, right? But we have to understand that flesh can rise up, and that's why the Bible tells us, Paul tells us, we have to crucify the flesh. We have to kill it. Now, positionally, our flesh was killed at the cross. But that sin nature, we still have the ability to sin. Don't say amen to the sin, but we know we sin, right? And then, obviously, the enemy. The enemy of our souls. 1 Peter 5, 9-11. Again, 1 Peter is a book about living in a hostile world. And this encouragement, exhortation that we have is, like, for now, the day that we're living in. The world coming against us, the flesh coming against us, the enemy coming against us. The Antichrist spirit just continually you know, increasing more and more as days go on. This is, our, this is the word of God speaking to us. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen? There's going to be a day that we don't have to experience what we're experiencing now. We, don't have to, we won't have to experience the flesh. Amen? We won't have to experience the world in which we live in because the world, world where we are going to is perfection in the presence of God forever and forever. And then we won't have to worry about the devil because God has a plan for him. Amen? And Satan, I believe, knows his plan. And as my spirit, the enemy just coming along, it's going to increase. And we know that from the scriptures. Now, so as the enemy has gathered against Gideon, chapter 7, verse 3 tells us that Gideon has 32,000 men at his disposal. And we know uh, from other sources, 135,000 or so uh, for the... Uh, Midianites. But look at verse 34 again with me. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Now, in the Old Testament, God's Spirit was poured out upon certain individuals that they would do a certain work or accomplish a certain um, work for God. And in the New Testament, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is different. Certainly the Spirit of the Lord comes upon people uh, for the work of God. In the Old Testament, we see more of victory in battle, conquering land. In the New Testament, it's about advancing and proclaiming the name of Jesus. The work of God detailing us as a church, as a people, Because I don't think we give God enough acknowledgement 
Therefore, it leads to us not seeking what God offers to us as believers. All right, let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So remember, Jesus was sharing this with his disciples before he would ascend to the right hand of the He tells them, remember, he promised them that as you gathered to the Sea of Galilee, they did that, and now he's having this conversation with them. And the, again, this is so important for us because this is for you and I. It's you and I. The Bible says, uh, you know, the, the word power here is dunamis, it's dynamite, it's the Holy Spirit come upon you. Words are important, amen? And especially when we look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit, words are important. Uh, let's look at John chapter 14, verse 17. Again, this is Jesus having intimate time with his disciples, and he's, he's telling them um, of a future time after he would be leaving them. Let's pick up in verse 15. I'll, I will real quick here. He said to them, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. We understand that the helper is the Holy Spirit. The helper, the one who comes alongside, or some translations might say comforter. But Paracletos, the one One just like Jesus. So he said he's going to send, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you, believer, know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So here we have a couple prepositions, with and in. And th again, this is important when we look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the with is the Greek word para, which speaks of the Holy Spirit dwelling with us. Now we have to say right now the Holy Spirit is dwelling with us. Would you agree? Think back to when you weren't a believer. How did you come to Christ? I'm always compelled to say nobody has ever woke up in the morning and said, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ today. That didn't happen to me. It probably didn't happen to you. But the Holy Spirit was with you, around you, and he drew you to God. He drew you to that point where you made that profession of faith in Christ. You, you called out to God. You received salvation. You believed that Jesus died on the cross and he resurrected on the third day. That's with. We see that a lot in the Old Testament, the presence of the Holy Spirit. In fact, at that very moment um, that you called out to God and received salvation, something happened. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, In him, that's in Christ, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption 
of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So at that moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit came in you. Not that you're God, nobody's God, but God. But the Holy Spirit in us. So he was with you, he drew you to God, now the Holy Spirit is in you. And with that, we have great power that comes from the Holy Spirit to, to help us to walk with him and our walk with, with God. He gives gifts, and we're going to talk about gifts in the coming next several weeks on Wednesday nights, all in the mindset of being empowered, equipped for the work of the ministry. But praise God, it's not just with and in. We have this upon, and this upon was not just for the disciples. Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witness to be in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The word upon in the Greek is epi, which means empowering for service. We believe from the scriptures that this work of the Holy Spirit coming upon a believer is separate from salvation, but coming upon to empower or overflow for the work of God. And God is very, Jesus was very detailed in what he said to bear witness of me. It's not about you or about me. It's all about the work to be accomplished for God. This some call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some might say, well, you know, I don't see that baptism of the Holy Spirit phrase in the scriptures. Well, you don't see the word Trinity either. Right? Do you believe in the Trinity? Absolutely we do. There's many, you know, much debate with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I believe when we stay in the Word of God, you know, because there is that, you know, you get so far rigid into you know, because we've seen so much what I call spiritual goofiness with the baptism of the Holy Spirit or baptism with the Holy Spirit, is that you don't want to be associated with the goofy. But at the same time, if we just say we don't want to, we, we don't want to go there, we miss out on the empowerment of God through the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit to accomplish God's will. And honestly, folks, listen, if we're not being empowered, if we don't have this upon as believers, as a church to accomplish what God has for us? What are we relying on? It could be human effort. And human effort could come with good motivation, a good desire, a good love for God. And even worse yet, we could be, you know, have be influenced by the world. Secular teaching, psychology, and you know, influence from new age. There's a lot of new age spirituality out there that sounds real Christian. But it's not. We could be so influenced if we, so sometimes it's like, stay away from that. We don't, but we miss out. We need to be empowered. You probably know by now, A.W. Tozer, I'm a great fan of A.W. Tozer. He, he went to be with Jesus in 1963, but I think he's more popular now. Tozer wrote this, if the Holy Spirit was completely taken out of the first century church, 90% of what they did would come to a screeching halt. If the Holy Spirit was completely taken out of the church today, only 10% of what the church was doing would come to a halt. Wow, that, that's amazing, isn't it? 
the first century the first century church was empowered directed by the holy spirit to advance the gospel we have that same purpose we have the same mission of the first century church to to go therefore and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the father son and the holy spirit and then how do we disciple well teaching them the commandments of jesus that is the mission of the church above that is to glorify god right that's number one but the mission has never changed we're not here to build a church or build a brand or build a movement we should be desiring to glorifying god fulfill his purpose and mission by making disciples and and seek the empowerment to do so again in that word power in acts chapter one uh, in the greek is dudamus it's it's power to be witnesses of christ not to witness certainly the holy spirit gives us power to do that but again this upon is different the baptism with the holy spirit now it's interesting um, if you go to acts chapter 4. acts chapter 4 you may remember uh, you know because peter was filled with the holy spirit Holy Spirit had come upon Peter. And remember Peter and John, they were you know, sharing Jesus and they ended up being arrested by the religious leaders. And then they were brought before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4, um, verse 7. It says, And when they had set them in the midst, they asked. Again, this is before the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, they're before them and they asked them, they asked Peter and John, by what power? Or by what name have you done this? I just get a picture of Peter like going, yes, I can tell. Verse 8 says, Then Peter, filled, the whole, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel. And I'll let you go home and read the rest of it. Point is, Peter was empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish what God wanted to accomplish. Now let's cruise over to Acts chapter 4, verse 29. As they were released, remember, from jail, the Bible says they went back to their own companions. They went back and they started praising God. And listen to his prayer in, in verse 29. Again, this is only part of it. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. This is the, the evidence and emphasis being on the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit coming upon the believers, upon us, that we would have boldness to proclaim or advance the gospel message. That's our calling. Now look at verse 32. It says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, 
Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great, what? Power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the empowerment of God that he desires to give to us for the distinct purpose of advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, go back to Gideon's. I don't, if, if you're honest, and I know that you are, when we look at this world that we live in, it's like you, you wonder, is the body of Christ making a difference? With all the wickedness and the things that are going on in this world, is, is the church being a light to the world? Can we effectively influence our culture with the good news of Jesus? Because everywhere we turn, something's coming against us. And we see that with Gideon here, as he's brought to this place of ready to go out and take on the Midianites. It's not a question, brothers and sisters, whether or not we can effectively accomplish what God wants to accomplish. It's really about just being obedient to him. Every step of the way. Being obedient to him, allow him to have his way with our hearts. Allow him to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in us first and then through us to a lost and dying world. But where's our power coming from? Are we seeking what God offers to us? Now, as we are back in Judges chapter 6, we see in verse 36, you would think after all that the Lord is, he, he met with Gideon, he said, you're, you're the one, you're, you're going to deliver the Midianites, you man of valor. I'm going to give you victory. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Now it is time to go, right? Let's read what happens with Gideon. So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on their threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so, when he rose early the next morning, and he squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowlful of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. But God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. That's like, are you kidding me? And then I look at myself. What God is showing us here, he will accomplish what he said he's going to accomplish despite us. He will use us 
despite us. He will be glorified through the work of his church despite us. You know, doubt, fear is reality. Especially when God might call us to step out in faith. We've experienced that six, seven, eight, eight months ago, whatever it is, right? It won't get easier. And as we trust him, he does amazing things. Question comes up, well, was it right for Gideon to do this? What about, is, is it right to lay out fleeces? You know, I don't see that in the New Testament anywhere. I believe that we can trust God, trust the Holy Spirit at his, at his word. But it's interesting that God met Gideon right where he was at. All the flaws, the doubt, the fear, probably anxiety, God met with him. He met him there, and he's going to lead him. Look at, um, go to verse 9 of chapter 7. You, you understand, remember the story, how God reduced that 32,000 down to 300. <laughs> Why did God do that? Gideon was already scared and fearful and um, almost not willing to go. Well, you know, God's going to get the glory. God is going to get the glory in everything. Now, as we, again, pick up here, it's the number of men has been reduced to 300. And verse 9, it says, It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. So the Lord's saying, Okay, it's time. Verse 10, But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp, with Purah, your servant. And you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purah, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. So the Lord met Gideon. He met Gideon right where he was at. The Lord knows because he knows all things. He's omniscient. He understands, knows Gideon is still fearful. After all that God had commanded him to do and told him that he was going to have victory, he was going to have, uh, bring the people out of oppression from the Midianites. What's that say about our God? He understands us, doesn't he? He knows us. And the fact that he knows us, he knows the hair on our heads. He knows everything about us. He knows everything. And he still delights in us. What's that say about God? His love surpasses everything in life for us. It's interesting how he worked here with Gideon. He tells him, you know, if you're afraid, you're, you're going to go down there. Afterward, after what you see, your hands shall be strengthened. Verse 12 says, Now the Midianites and Ammonites, or Amalekites, excuse me, Midianites and Amalekites, all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. And when Gideon had come, 
there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so, so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. And as you get to read the rest of the story, I believe the Lord gives him details. They go have victory. God did an incredible thing here. As he met with Gideon, he does what really is a, 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 a supernatural work. He allowed him to see confirmation from outside of himself. The Lord sent this man, has the dream, the interpretation. This is Gideon. He's going to have victory. And that is what Gideon needed. And it comes from being empowered by God. When we understand the empowerment of God that he has for us, he is going to work in ways that are going to blow our mind. Amen? It's not that we're after the signs and wonders or all of that, but it's trusting in a God who has given us this power. And I believe for the church to be effective, we have to continuously, intentionally seek God and ask for this empowerment. We have to continuously, not just praying, but we have to have the wisdom to see what God is doing and then to walk in it. Oh, we, we don't know everything. We don't know how God's going to use us, right? But I know he is. I believe in all my heart in these last days that we're living in, again, my conviction is that this is our time. And as we are faithful to him, seeking after him, wanting his power to go in and through us, empowering us for the work, not only the ministry, but that coming upon us for the advancement of the gospel. We have our Jerusalem, we have our Samaria, Judea, and throughout the whole world. And I don't know if you've been paying attention, but God's opening up doors for us. You see young people going you know, to, to Malawi and to, to the Philippines, and man... Opening up doors, and not just overseas, but in our, own, in our own area. But what about your life? How is God using you in the place that he has you? You see, we not only need the baptism with the Holy Spirit to go out there and proclaim the gospel, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be a good husband, a godly husband, a father. We need this empowerment of God. Not to get goofy, not for signs and wonders that somehow we make ourselves more than what we really are. And that's a, that's a, a strike against the church today. But I also know sometimes we can be so rigid and not seek after the fullness of God. It's interesting that Jesus, um, I'm going to close with this. In, Jesus, uh, in John chapter 7, 
Jesus said something about the Holy Spirit. On the last day, and this was a feast day, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit has not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus talked about this as well. That God is faithful to give what he says he will give. God offers us the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And in fact, in Luke chapter 11, how do we get this? You know what Jesus said to that question? If you excuse me, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? Again, when you were saved, when that very moment that you called out to God and you said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came in you. Jesus talking to his disciples, he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Have you asked for this Holy Spirit to come upon you? This is what, where the rubber meets the road for us as believers. Have we asked for the Holy Spirit to come upon us to bear witness of Him? I'm going to give you that chance this morning. We're just going to allow the, the Lord to have our hearts for a moment. And we're going to pray together. With every head bowed. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wonderful story, the history, the testimony of how you worked in the man Gideon. Lord, we're thankful that your word reminds us of the empowerment that you desire to give to your church, to believers. And as your word says, Lord, that you would give to those who ask. Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who has never called out to you for salvation. I pray now for your Holy Spirit to work in their hearts, that you would show them and tell them that they need Jesus. Perhaps they're trying to please you and try to receive salvation through their own works. Lord, I pray that you would lead them to now to confess Christ as Lord, admit that he is Savior, and believe in all of their heart that you sent Jesus to the cross to die for our sin, and that he was buried and he rose on the third day. Lord, I pray for those who have called upon the name of the Lord, who have the Holy Spirit in them. I pray now, if it be of your Spirit, they would ask for the Spirit to come upon them, to empower them, to accomplish what you have for them. 
to bear witness of Jesus. We trust in your Holy Spirit even now, God, to do that work according to your plan, according to your timing. And for all those that are saying yes now, Lord, fall upon them. Lord, we know it's not a feeling, it's not anything other than you working in the life of your people. And Lord, as you work in their hearts, would you show them, as you see fit, that they are indeed experiencing the baptism with the Holy Spirit for your glory, for your glory alone, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Jim from Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship located in northern Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to today's Abiding Word. Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we hope the word has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord today. You can email me at pastorjimswigert at gmail.com. That's Pastor Jim Swigert at gmail.com with any comments or prayer requests. You can also connect with us at Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Church website is calvarychapelfaithfellowship.org. There you can learn more about the ministry of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Thank you and God bless.